RPG Academy presents... fifth edition actual play. Starring Michael as Arami Mott, Scott as Dane Seaborn, and Matthew as Cassandra Ziegengeist. Featuring Caleb, your game master. This actual play is supported by BattleBards.com. So we are picking up right where the last episode ended. The three of you are at the beach. It is late in the evening. You are surrounded by dead bodies, by a disgusting black ichor that is thickly spewn about this beach. The wreckage of a boat is there, and there's the body of the dead, tentacled, kind of humanoid thing. And uh, there we go, so... How are you three reacting to this fight? I kind of want to get in there and start looking at the uh, the the tentacled thing with more uh, more intent interest. I want to turn sharply away from the creature that I just killed, and then throw up all over Cassander as he comes into view. Yeah, you were drunk that whole fight, weren't you? Yep. I would like to say that Cassander is so intent on his study that he barely registers the fact that Army just sputumed all over him, and he kind of just halts in his step and then continues on. Because dwarf vomit smells like uh, bread dough. It's actually uh, comforting. Hmm. Delightful. The more you know. Dane is so uh, weirded out by the extraordinary circumstances that have befallen us lately, our terrifying encounters and the shattering reality around him. He takes a moment to reconsider his life choices through prayer involving emptying his flask. Okay, so let's go over to Cassander. Matthew, what is Cassander specifically investigating? Just the body itself? Yes, the body itself, he's probably got his notebook out, and he's probably going to start drawing it. And uh, after he draws it, he will, he, if, he, if I have time, he will um, begin to actually examine it and try to figure out what it is or if it's related to anything he's aware of. You know, you know start tabulating data. Okay, uh, if you want to give me a roll here, uh, you could use Investigate, you could use uh, Knowledge Nature... Uh, you could just try a general perception, whatever you think is best. Uh, I'm going to give you a nature. Okay. That would be a 13. So you've never seen this before, ever. Uh, the body itself does seem to be 
some sort of tentacled creature. You see a lot of biological and structural similarities to a squid or an octopus. Okay. However, it is much, much larger. The top half of it appears to be humanoid, but you really are not sure if this is some sort of evolution, if this is some sort of forced breeding, if this is some sort of magical development. It's totally foreign and abnormal. As you're standing there sketching it and kind of crouching down to investigate it, you've got a little bit of a sickness in your stomach just from the smell of death and blood everywhere. Mm -hmm. But you've also got that feeling in the back of your head that this just is not right. This does not exist in the natural world, and it's just bothering you. Okay, right, and it's uh, out of place, so it's bothering me. Uh, when I start feeling that way, I'll probably try to, I want to cut the feeling, so I'll say, Hey, Dane, I found your mermaid. Dane looks up from his flask and says, Uh, yeah... I kind of assumed they'd have different combinations of fish parts and lady parts. Uh, I'd kind of hoped, at least. Dane wanders over, away from the horrible shipwreck and the disturbing corpses that surround it. Let's say he's going to go have a long stare out at the water. And Dane, as that happens, you suddenly feel a weight in your belt pouch. You know that feeling when you pick up something kind of heavy and just drop it in your pouch, that kind of tug on your belt? You feel that, although you did not, in fact, drop anything into your belt pouch. But you have that feeling, and you can tell that there is a an object now there that was not there before. Ordinarily, Dane doesn't need an excuse to uh, look for spare coppers and dimes in his pockets, we'll say. <laughs> so uh, he discreetly looks to the left and to the right to make sure he's the only one in eyesight, and then uh, really goes to town inspecting the contents of his pouch. And what you find there is the small brass-lensed tube that you claimed from that island way back when. Dane... Removes it quizzically from his pockets, inspecting it with a curious eye. And then uh, he lifts it to his eye and peers through it, first toward the water and then toward the wreckage. All right. As you do that, the sights you see through the lens actually change. In the past, when you had looked through it, it was kind of like a jumbled kaleidoscope it just scattered the reality you saw through it this time you pull it out of your pocket where it just magically appeared you hold it up you look out over the ocean you see that scattered image and then suddenly there's a shift and it comes into focus and you realize that you are seeing the ocean and the beach that you are on, but it was maybe a few hours earlier. The three of you are not standing there. There is not a wreckage of a boat, and it is slightly earlier in the evening. Uh, you see a small group 
of dwarves on the beach, and you recognize them immediately as the Firebrand Elite Temple Guard. Looking back out to the ocean, you see a small wooden craft. The craft that you know now is smashed on the beach around you, but you are now seeing it fully whole. You can tell it is a dwarven-made craft, and it is making quick time towards the beach. As it gets within about 30 yards of the beach, suddenly there is a surge of water and bubbles and waves up from underneath the boat, and a large fleshy mass shoves this boat up into the air, lifting it maybe 20 feet above the waves. You cannot identify this mass at all, but you do see large tentacles jutting out of the ocean, lashing against the boat. And then this whole thing throws the boat from out where it is onto the beach. You feel the impact and you hear the crash. Uh, You see the firebrand dwarven temple guards rush forward. They are trying to investigate what happened. You see them pulling dead bodies of other dwarves out of this wreckage. And then you see them attacked by maybe 20 of the creatures that you just fought and killed. And you see a horrendous, brutal, deadly battle. And most of the tentacled creatures are killed. Some of them escape back into the waves. Most of the dwarves are hurt badly. Most of them are dead. Uh, The ones that have survived, they signal for help. And some of the other guards come out of the woods and drag them back to the temple. And you know, in reality, that is the path you followed to get here. This whole thing takes maybe a minute. So everything is kind of moving in fast-forward speed. So you're looking through this thing, this, uh, this telescope, and you see this all happen. It feels like it's happening much slower to you, but when you suddenly gasp and pull it away from your face, it's really only been about a minute. Knowing that when something awful happens, the best thing to do is investigate if it happens every time. Like an idiot. Uh, Dean puts the glass back to his eye. Does he see the scene again? No. Damn. Now when you look through it, it is again that... Just a kaleidoscope? Yep, that jumbled alteration of reality. All right. I take a couple steps back, and I sort of stagger back to my friends, my normal, still-living, not-partially-fish-tentacle-thing friends. And I uh, hold up this cylinder, and I say, Guys, do you remember this thing? This cylinder thing? Oh, wow, is that the cylinder from the island? Yeah, it just reappeared in my pants, and then showed me a horrifying vision of the shipwreck and the assault of the creatures. I'll explain it in detail to the professor if he's interested. I would be most interested in you describe it in detail. All right. Having recounted the horrible, gruesome tale again, and 
turned a much, much paler shade of blue, almost a pale moon blue. I will retreat to the beach and sit down and lament the fact that my flask is empty. Michael, what has Army been doing during this exchange? Army is still quite sauced, uh, but the adrenaline of the battle has uh, kind of invigorated her somewhat. She then got sick on herself and Cassandra. She also has a lot of gore on her from the battle. So I was actually going to make my way wobbly towards the ocean to wash myself of the ichor and the bile. Yeah, that's fine. No problem there. So basically, while Dane and Cassandra are talking about this thing that has happened, Army is splashing about in the ocean, cleaning herself up. Correct. Okay, so this whole exchange takes maybe another 15 minutes or so. Obviously, Cassandra is asking Dane a bunch of questions and a bunch of details, and Dane is trying to share them as best he can. Uh, and, and about as you guys are wrapping up, Army comes back sopping wet, dripping salt water everywhere. Hey, guys. So, uh, did you have fun? Yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, I assume you probably needed a bath anyway. Fantastic. Are you feeling better, Army? Uh, kind of feel like I ate a greasy pork chop from a dirty ashtray. That is oddly specific. And I smell like your vomit, so thank you. Sorry about that. Did you guys know that there's a bunch of dead people over here? Yes. We should probably do something about this. Is there a handcart or something? Did we do that? No, no. Um, we did that, pointing at the horrible monster from the beyond. And that did this. I kind of think I need a drink. I'm fresh out, but I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I, will, I would love to have some drinks, but first I think we should do the right thing here and clean this up and, and get this squared away. So is there some sort of um, mobility enhancing uh, pieces we can use to maybe get these bodies together and get them to the temple and then get this, uh, this critter's body maybe to my estate? Well, the sails of the ship look mostly intact. We can form them up in a makeshift litter and drag our former countrymen back to town with us. It's a, that's a solid idea, Dane. Good job. Dane, with a cold, silent determination, goes to cut down the remnants of the sails. Okay, so you guys can start attempting to form uh, this litter to pile these bodies onto. Uh, it's pretty late at night. You're obviously exhausted from the fight. You're all a little bit shaken from what you have seen and learned. It's not going very well. It's taking a long time, much longer than it normally would. You're all very capable individuals, but you're all struggling a little bit. So after about half an hour, you haven't made a lot of progress. So you all sit down to take a break. You have to find a spot on the beach that isn't disgusting, but you can sit down and rest for a minute. And as you're there catching your breath, you start to hear a rustle coming from the jungle. And it sounds like there are figures walking through the jungle coming towards you. I think I would grab Dane 
and then shove him down amongst the bodies and tell him to be quiet. And then I would dive to the side and try to hide. Dane's compliant with that. He'll he'll jump out of the way. Sorry. That definitely happens. However, it's not really very graceful because you haven't really sobered up yet. Even sober. Army's not graceful. No, no. So you, you shove Dane down and you shove him way too hard. So you actually slam him into the beach. He gets a big mouthful of sand. And you... You think in your head that you're diving and rolling successfully, but you really just kind of stand up and trip backwards and fall down. It's fair. And then after a second, you hear that rustling come up to the tree line and about a dozen firebrand guards come walking into the clearing. They're all carrying torches and lanterns. They are talking very quietly but you can tell they are speaking efficiently and you see them gesturing at the wreckage and the bodies and they break off into small groups to actually start clearing up the beach now i wasn't tossed aside because i didn't hear my name associated in that sentence correct okay so uh when i see the firebrands i'm actually going to uh get up and greet them Ah, firebrands! Excellent! We were just uh, rounding up this atrocity we happened upon. So as you do that, the two closest to you actually spin and draw their weapons because you've caught them by surprise. And seeing these two beefy temple guards who have a reputation of being the best fighters on the island draw their weapons in advance on you is actually pretty terrifying. So you can take a you take a step back in shock, but then they actually shine the light on your face. One of the dwarves looking at you recognizes your face and says, Hey, this is this is that elf that, that's that's here. Hey, 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 hey. And she waves her hand. Hey. And you see a a figure walk over from by the wreckage of the boat, and you recognize immediately that this is uh Chimer. And she walks up, and uh, she stops. She kind of puts her hands on her hips, and she says, So I don't really know exactly what's going on tonight, but I'm pretty sure you shouldn't be here. Uh, oh, Captain Chimera, of, of course. No, uh, this is definitely not a place for um, three three friends who are just out for a walk. But um, Wait, wait, wait. We Three friends? Who are you here with? I go... <clears throat> Um, and kind of step out from the bushes and awkwardly wave. So seeing Dane walk out, she sighs and goes, all right, so that means Arami is around here too, right? There's like a startled peep cry from where I'm laying down. Eep. And I'll stand myself up. I'm very rigid and awkward, and I like fidget trying to clean myself just very poorly. Yeah, you're, you're kind of wiping your face, but there's a huge chunk that you're just totally missing every single time. Dane and Cassandra are both like, it's not, it's like, it's here. It's right, it's not here, not here, but here. Yeah. So she casts a very critical eye over all three of you. She says, all right, well, some stuff happened here. How involved were you? 
So well, we see is we were out here in the water, just taking a walk. Whoa, shut up, all three of you, quiet. Dane, what happened? Okay, so so there was some sickness involved, and and there was some research. We were on a walk, but by the temple, and then we found ourselves out here. Pretty sure that's the story. Something tells me I shouldn't believe you, Dane. A uh, deception check with disadvantage? I bet I can still make it. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, give me a roll. That's a natural 20 on the first roll. All right. Come on. And a 14 on the second, which yes. uh, gives me a 20 total unnatural for the disadvantage check. <laughs> So, I like the way you called your own role. You're like, I'm going to roll with disadvantage. I mean, it only makes sense. I'm going to let it happen. So, Chimere takes your story in, and she cocks her head to the side. Behind her, the rest of the firebrands are actually working really quickly and efficiently. You see them dragging all the bodies over. They're basing their actions off of what you were trying to do. But they're doing it properly. So they're actually (laughs) grabbing some of the wood and the sails and forming this litter to stack things on. Did you have a question there? Yeah, I was just going to ask what's happening to the critter. Because I'm hoping that it's like kind of obscured that they're going to miss it and that we can still abscond it away to my laboratory. Are they going to see it and then... I'm probably going to lose possession of it. Well, the body was in the wreckage of the boat, and the firebrands mm-hmm. are right now clearing the dead dwarves and the random chunks of the other creatures. Uh, they have not yet started working on the wreckage of the boat. Excellent. So there's still hope. So this is all happening while you're talking with Chimere. Uh She looks back to Dane and says, you know what? I have a lot of work to do tonight. We're going to have another conversation because I think there's more we need to talk about. For now, you each need to go home and rest and we will follow up tomorrow. And she snaps her fingers and three of the firebrands come over and she says, escort these three home. No. You always were a hard girl, <laughs> Kamir, when you were growing up, and you you are still a hard captain today. I respect your authority, but I just need to ask one question. There is um, <clears throat> uh, there is a uh, a um, hmm, something in that wreckage that I mm, me would like to study back at my laboratory. Do you think that we could make that happen? No. Okay. Well, gentlemen, lady, let's uh, let's uh, go ahead. So the firebrands that Chimere called over, they don't really shove you away from the beach, but they each get up really close behind you and kind of by proximity encourage you to start walking. So Army is standing there very rigid. I'm kind of making, like, st- almost staring at Chimere, but every time she looks my way, I look away. Like, I I can't actually meet her gaze. And if anyone is noticing, I've, like, flushed red. And uh, before I go, I'll give 
sort of like a very formal, awkward salute. We haven't exactly decided what that looks like in this world yet, but whatever it is, I give one of those. It just seems very unnatural and awkward. And then I'll I'll take like a half step away and, and then another half step and then just sort of head down, embarrassed, I'll shuffle forward. And the salute you give is not exactly right to form. And Chimere doesn't really notice or respond to you in any way. As it should be. Arami, you are shuffling off into the jungle and the firebrand that was behind you is walking. She's walking a few paces behind you. She's not shoving you away, but she's walking close enough that you know she's there. Dane, Cassander, are you guys walking off as well? Yes. Yeah. All right. So we know that Cassander is going to go back to Long Garden. Uh, we know that Dane will... Well, actually, we don't know. Is Dane going to go back to his apartment? Is he going to go back to the Sphinx? What's Dane going to do? Well, um, you know, uh, Dane's good friend Cassander, who is the uh, endless source of all information uh, anytime Dane doesn't understand something, which is, you know, uh, not infrequent, but not uh, uh, frequent. It, and uh, really wanted to look at that body or some remnants of that body. And Dane doesn't understand why. It sounds kind of icky, but he does want to help his friend. Uh, so Dane will uh, explain kindly to the Firebrands that he wants to go to whichever dwelling is closest. Be that the Sphinx, be that the High Garden, be that um, Uncle Mo twice removed shack out in the woods where he has a logging stand that's not in use this season. But I'll just convince him that that's where I need to stay. <laughs> and then I'm going to try and sneak back and get as many chunks of that body as I can while the... Uh, Firebrands either aren't looking or have left to make a run, because I, I assume it'll they'll take a few trips. Okay, so geographically, the beach you are on is on the far side of the island, away from the docks that you have spent most of your time on so far. So if, if we're looking at a map, the docks are on the east the city proper and the temple is all generally in the middle, and this small beach you are on is over to the west. Cassander's dwelling and farm and laboratory and whatever else he has up there is more on the east side, but further north. So it is actually faster for you to stay somewhere in town because you're going to go through town anyway. Wherever your apartment is, is somewhere in town, or not, I don't know, it's wherever you want it to be. It's definitely in town, where all the action is. Alright, well, I'll uh, wish them adieu from the door of my apartment, and then skulk back and, and try and really take my time with getting whatever sort of chunks I can. Matthew, is Cassandra going all the way back to the Long Garden? If everyone else is getting off at a shorter stop, then I'll get off with them. Because I didn't get my body, so I have no reason to go immediately back to, back home, you know what I mean? Okay, so the firebrands take you all back into the city limits, so to speak. And Dane's house is the first that you would come across. So as you guys are getting there, you start saying, hey, you know... Maybe we'll just stop here for a minute and, and recover a little bit. At this point, the firebrands just say, all right, fine, that's cool. You just can't come back to the beach. The captain will talk to you tomorrow. And they leave. Say, guys, uh, while you're here, 
I, I can refill my flask. You could admire the view. I mean, these are kind of the, the foothills. We have a view of the, the woods on the one side, the forest. We have a view of the bay on the other side. I just got a new couch. You could admire my taste in furnishings. You, you want to come up for just a little nightcap or no? I'm only going to come up if you're going to lay all over the couch. Uh, I, I, I try to only do that for um, Tilly. She wants to practice her pencilings. Huh? <laughs> And I, I, I just, you know, I'm an accommodating sort of fellow. She says she has trouble getting some of the blue tones right. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Draw me like one of your blue dwarfs. Uh, so Army is actually going to decline. Uh, I'm not feeling well, and I'm, I've got a wash of emotions. Um, so I'm going to go back to my place, which is the basically the house I'm still, I'm squatting in. It was, uh, Tobin's, but I'm claiming it as my own, so I'm going to go back there and basically just go to sleep. Where, where did you live before Tobin's unfortunate incident? Uh, I lived within the temple grounds, but not. Oh, that's right. I lived like in a commune, so I, I, I didn't have my own place. Well, <laughs> oh man, dead man's boots, now you do. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, so Army is going back to her place, which used to be Tobin's, and she's going to collapse into the bed and fall asleep almost immediately. Uh, Dane and Cassander, uh, what are you guys doing? I say, well, Cassander, do you still want that body? Oh yeah, you know it. I bet between the two of us we can engineer up some sort of sneaky means of getting it. And then you can figure out all the answers to what's going on. I mean, if anybody on this island can, you can. I mean, I I hope I can at least figure out what's going on in this one circumstance because that critter was uh was very interesting looking. At least I have a drawing. I mean, if we can't get any of the body, at least I have a drawing. But uh, uh that doesn't look nearly like Tilly's drawings. I, it, well, uh, blues are all wrong. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we can talk about drawing practice later. Mm-hmm. I think for now we we should go recover okay. chunks of dead thing. Yes, let's do that. All right, are you both going to sneak back to the beach? I think we both um, take a really roundabout path so that no sneaking is required while we discuss how we're going to work out a litter or some sort of container or transport. I mean, Professor, do you have some sort of small, uh, like a wagon would make too much noise, something that can go through the raw woods, not take the path? A wheelbarrow, probably. Like a big waterproof satchel, at least? Something I can sneak in with and, and bring you parts to your wheelbarrow? Yeah. Yeah, I have one of those. I don't want to go all the way back to your place, because I'm lazy. <laughs> Old man Winterspoon here has a wheelbarrow he uses for gardening, and he's not going to miss it in the dead of night, or probably early morning. I mean, uh, I, I think he has a thing at the with the baker's wife anyway, so, um, <laughs> you know, they get up early, right? So so we'll, we'll, we'll just take uh, Old Man Winterspoon's Wheelbarrow and uh, this this sack. Uh, yeah, yeah, a burlap the, sack because yep. that that's yeah. I'm, I'm not making two trips. I think those are potatoes in there, but you could just probably just dump them out. I think they'll be fine. You know, they, they're they're not just any potatoes. They're red radish potatoes. They come from uh, lands uh, quite a bit further up north. You should try some sometime. Uh, I cook up a mean red radish potato. But if uh, you cooked but, me anything, Dane, I drop dead. <laughs> From surprise of you actually doing a damn thing. You know, you you have to fill up every hour of the day. 
and uh, the culinary arts are are a calling of mine. I mean, you, you shouldn't diminish what you've. Well, anyway, so so Professor, we'll we'll uh, we'll do this, and then I'll cook your potatoes. How's that? All right. So uh, we, I, I believe we we get done wheeling away the wheelbarrow, which squeaks a lot, but but we we go quick, and and then we we wander off into the woods with it for a couple of hours in our empty burlap sack, hoping to to make it around to the to the shore. Does does that work out? All right. So the plan as it stands is to take the wheelbarrow the long way around through the jungle back towards the beach. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, sneak onto the beach, take some stuff, and bring it back to the wheelbarrow without anyone noticing. Yeah. I'll, I'll do the sneaking and the taking of stuff, and uh, the professor will do the manning of the wheelbarrow. Wonderful. So it takes a few hours to do this because you're taking a really long way and you're trying to be as quiet so you're as telling possible. us we're taking 20s on all these rolls i love you caleb all right <laughs> great job scott we are the best rollers ever that's right up until you get close to the beach sure as we get towards the beach though you are going to find a spot that is fairly quiet you can see the beach but it's in the distance and Scott, at this point, Dane realizes if we take this wheelbarrow any closer, it's going to be a liability. This is my chance to shine. So we are going to switch over to Dane being sneaky at this point. Go ahead and give me a stealth roll to get to the beach. Big bucks, no whammies. Big bucks, no whammies. That's not great. Eight on the die plus seven is a 15 total. Okay, so you are reasonably confident that you are sneaking properly. You're not breaking any branches. You're finding the quietest way to go. You get up to the beach, and you see that after all these hours it took you to get back, the beach is almost completely clear. All the dwarven bodies are gone, and there is a big pile of the chunks of the creatures and this pile has been tossed right next to the wreckage and that wreckage of the boat is pretty much in the middle of the beach so there is a a pretty big clear open area between the edge of the jungle and where you want to go but give me a perception check uh, 15 on the die, plus 2 wisdom, 17. Uh, there are no firebrands anywhere on the beach. Hmm. I, I take just a second to carefully study the wreckage to see if there are firebrands hiding in there. You do not see anyone hiding in the wreckage, but you do see that it has been smashed and broken up a little bit more, and... Uh, the wood has been framed around this pile of dead flesh. As you are looking, out of the corner of your eye, you see a figure. This figure is at the tree line, kind of where you left or came from earlier. Uh, so off to your right, kind of further up the beach. Uh, it is a single figure. And what caught your eye was a 
a flash of fire. And in the firelight, you see that this figure is drawing a bow with a flaming arrow. So I need to go really quick. Sure, that's one way you could take that. You know what, let's just roll initiative. That's what it's there for, right? A crit fail. Six total. (laughs) (sighs) Well, amazingly, the dwarf also rolled very, very badly, but still beat you and got a seven. So here's what happens. You realize that there's no one on the beach. You have a chance, however slim it might be. So you kind of go down to that runner starting crouch and you're ready just to dash out there. As you are preparing, the dwarf launches the flaming arrow and the arrow hits the... Uh, wreckage of the boat just as you are getting ready to run out and the boat itself just erupts into flames they they must have doused it in oil because all of the wood immediately starts burning however as soon as the arrow is launched that dwarf leaves she doesn't stay and uh i'm i'm going i i'm betting that i can run faster than accelerant with fire on top. So you can run up to the wreckage very easily. The fire is incredibly hot. It's all burning very brightly. Why don't we make a dexterity check to see if you can successfully grab a chunk without burning yourself? Can I put slide a hand on top of that? That's fair. That's a nine on the die plus five is 14 total. Okay, so you can reach your hand in, grab a chunk about as big as your head, and pull it out without burning yourself, but the fire immediately sweeps right towards where you were, and there's no way to reach back in. All right, all right. Well, that's uh, one chunk down. Uh, All right, I'll return that chunk to the professor and then um you know so i toddle up and i say well Cassander, i've got good news and i've got bad news give me the bad news um well we might have to sift through the remains of the wreckage to find bones now oh they're burning it yes Oh yeah, and you can absolutely smell the burning flesh at this point, and you can see the firelight. It's not difficult to figure out. <sighs> Kovar. Okay, I I appreciate everything you've done, Dane. Thank you so much. The the chunk that Dane brought back is damaged. Obviously, it's a chunk of this tentacle that's been hacked apart. It's singed a little bit, but it's at least something that you can investigate. Yep. I'm going to go home and put in some oil. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm glad we've got a plan to figuring this all out. Cassandra, I look forward to your results in the morning. And I uh, tromp off happily back toward my uh, lovely sea view apartment. Um, I guess we don't really need the wheelbarrow. So I think we're just going <laughs> to... 
<laughs> leave it in the jungle and just go our separate ways. That's 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 a good point. I will I will take uh, old man wither wither spoons wither snips wither snaps. You said wither spoon before. I'll take old man Witherspoon's uh, wheelbarrow back to him. I-, I might need it again sometime. That's true. And he's not always going to be porking the baker's wife or whatever he's doing. So yeah, That's right. And uh, w- when I get home, if there are a couple hours before daylight, I'll even oil that damn squeaky wheel. So next time I steal it, it's easier. <laughs> okay. All right. So while all these nighttime shenanigans were happening, Arami was asleep in her assumed bed so when army got to got to the apartment got to the house she fell asleep almost immediately she was just exhausted she was still a little bit drunk trying to sober up so she just fell on her back and was immediately asleep as she was sleeping though she experiences a dream and this dream is incredibly realistic and intense in the dream she is climbing a mountain and below her is a city and it seems to be the city she grew up in on the reforged islands but it also seems very different to her normally she could identify buildings and landmarks and whenever she looks behind her towards the city she sees something that she thinks she recognizes but as soon as she gives it attention she realizes she doesn't recognize it ahead of her at the top of the mountain there is simply a a blinding bright light it seems to be brighter than the rising dawn sun but it also seems to be emanating from an object at the top of the mountain. So she is climbing this mountain in this strange area. Uh, She is driven by the knowledge that she has to get to the top of the mountain. But she doesn't know why. She just knows she has to get up there. Finally, she ascends the mountain and the, the the light is even brighter than before she covers her eyes she, she's trying to to walk forward into this light she has no idea what's going on and as she steps forward the light suddenly fades and she realizes that she's standing within the aura of what is causing this light and the light is now kind of out behind her So that's where the most brightness is, so she can see what is actually emanating this this light, this brightness. And it is a simple iron anvil. It's not super big. It's regular size. It seems like an anvil that any blacksmith would use to craft items. And sitting on top of the blacksmith's anvil there's actually two things sitting there. One of them appears to be a small totem of Invar, and the other a small totem of Kovar. And from somewhere, a voice says, Choose. 
Okay, so Army is going to pick up the uh, token of Envar with her left hand and just sort of hold it with it in her palm as if the, the token is looking up at her and just kind of feel that weight in her hand. And it, it doesn't feel doesn't feel right. Like it just doesn't feel the a comfort that she thought there would be. Uh, she's going to continue to hold it, and then she's going to reach out with her right hand and pick up the uh, the Kovar token in her right hand and hold it basically similarly so that they're facing toward her. And still, that the, the, the comfort that's not there, the weight just doesn't feel perfectly, you know, in her hands the way she thought it would. So she's going to put them both back down on the anvil, and then she's going to kind of bend over uh, to look at them in that angle. And when she bends over, she's going to put her hands towards her hips, and her right hand is going to fall onto her cudgel. And that feels right. Like, it, it has always felt perfectly weighted and balanced in her hand. So, we're not even thinking about it. She's going to pull her cudgel up out of her holster and kind of heft it up to the shaft. But as she looks at it, it starts to change and morph. And it's not a cudgel any longer. It's actually a battle hammer. And um, it still has that that weight though still feels right and as she looks at this new object in her hand one side I, I don't know what it's called a battle hammer the one side of the hammer has some very sort of angular sharp and, and like masculine looking runes on it that she would associate with Kovar and the other side has more sort of looping elongated runes that she would associate with Envar and she's gonna hold the hammer in her hand for a second and kind of kind of hefted and it feels great and she looks over at the tokens and without necessarily thinking that this is what she's going to do she's going to actually swing that hammer up over her head and bring it down and smash both of the tokens Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. 
you can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Right.